that middle interview. A former teacher, a former music teacher, that is. This person, this guy, this tremendous talent, was a teacher in his 20s and uh, turned professional musician in his 30s, as he tells us in this podcast. And now is a badass, badass, well-known, world-renowned musician by the name of Joel Hoekstra. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am speaking of one of the guitar players for White Snake, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and uh, the side project that he has with the tremendous Tony Harnell, ex-vocalist for TNT, as we remember. They have a project called Echo Bats. You should check out their stuff. Great material, great single. You guys can catch their new their music. You guys can catch their music on jrocksmetalzone.com. Anyways, uh, we had the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Hoekstra. He talks to us about his career, uh, his experiences uh, recording, his solo stuff, his uh, solo um, project entitled Joel Hoekstra's 13. Speaks to us about um, performing on stage with Mr. David Coverdale, Tommy Aldridge, Red Beach, and the rest of the White Snake guys. What an experience, man. Anyways, let's hear the conversation with Mr. Hoekstra, and here it is. Enjoy. New song, uh, Save Me From Loving You, Echo Bats, awesome jam. Uh, talk to us about this song and about how Echo Bats came together. Uh, Tony Harnell? Yeah, thanks, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, this feel-good hit that everybody kind of wanted right now. It's uh, it's fun. <laughs> right? It's kind of, times are depressing, so uh, a song that's uh, uplifting it seems to uh, have, has caught the attention of a lot of people. So, yeah, we're, we're enjoying the little, uh, little mini wave of success we're riding with. The people seem to like it, so that's cool. Uh, it came together with drummer Matt Starr and Tony Harnell, a uh, vocalist people might remember from the band TNT, um, talking about doing a project and maybe something a little outside of the hard rock realm. And they thought of me and contacted me and I agreed. I thought that sounded like a great idea. I've got a lot of hard rock outlets right now, but something maybe a little more uh, along the lines of Beatles or Queen sounded very appealing to me. So uh, we gave Tony eight song ideas. Well, I, I should say that we all talked about what bass player and we agreed on James Lomenzo. We all love him. Uh, real versatile guy as well. So yeah. anyway, we gave... Tony eight song ideas and this is simply the first one that he completed uh, and we decided to put it out early rather than go for a full length thing to just gauge interest and also it seemed like people need something right now they, they needed a song like this so uh, we went ahead and put it out and as we got closer to uh getting it to its final stage i realized it needed some keys and i brought in my buddy eric levy from night ranger who i worked with for many years in that band and awesome uh, yeah and so there you go it's just a, just a kind of a quarantine jam if you will but we took it a stage further and signed a distribution deal with sony and everything and um just yeah just trying to make the most out of putting out this song well, it's some great, great songwriting. Awesome stuff. I heard it. It's just great stuff, man. So, congrats on that. Um, now you're a busy, you're a busy person, man. Uh, 
we just spoke to Jeff Scott Soto a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he mentioned doing vocals for your new solo record. Uh, is this true, or is this uh, confidential, or? Uh, yeah, Jeff was kind enough. I mean, he's he's uh, overqualified, but he helped me out singing background vocals on the whole record, which was amazing of him to do. Uh, we've been friends for a long time, and <laughs> so yeah. he's he's willing to do me a favor with that. But yeah, that's that should be out hopefully later this year. Uh, I, it's just taking longer to get finished than I would like, just because it's people's schedules. And uh, but that's going to be Russell Allen on vocals, Vinny Apice on drums, wow. Tony Frank. Franklin on bass, Derek Sherinian on keyboards, and myself. And uh, this is the second album from that project called Joel Hoekstra's 13 is the name of the project. So uh, anyway, it'll be the second album. The first one was out in 2015 called Dying to Live and uh, did really well. It's kind of like Dio-ish at its heaviest and yep. Foreigner-ish at its lightest. And this one will be along the same lines, maybe a little bit more focused and a uh, little bit a little bit more in that uh, White Snake hard rock uh, blues influenced vibe at times too. Um, what a lineup, man! All stars, all the way, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have that lineup. They're they're all great guys, great players. Uh, so yeah, I feel very honored that they contribute to uh, my songs. That was one of my next questions. Uh, uh, give us an update on your side project, Joel Hoekstra's Thirteen frontiers and your solo career that was one of my questions so i guess uh you just answered it. Huh? we basically just answered it i mean yeah. it sounds good I'm, I'm really excited about it i'm getting mixes from uh, chris collier right now and just kind of taking notes on them and sending those on to him and he curses me out every time i send them <laughs> back and, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and we, I'm, I'm really into mixing i love tweaking and tweaking with mixes so but that's where it's at, man. Just getting the artwork done. Got to make a little EPK video for it and uh, get some pictures taken, all that fun stuff. And then it's ready to, to get out into the world. Uh, there's a song called, I'm going to try to juggle your memory, uh, Baboons Are Dangerous, The Moon Is Falling. Great songs from your solo stuff, man. I was checking it out and uh, congrats on writing great stuff, man. Thanks. It's definitely back in my more uh, adventurous instrumental yeah. music days. The Moon is Falling in particular is a very uh, adventurous album. I tried to not go with standard guitar sounds, all kind of really adventurous sounds and writing, odd meter and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I still think that that album holds up really well. It's it's uh, 17 years later and it doesn't sound like dated and, and, and tired uh, because it was so... Uh, different sounding back then I think and the one before that Unfined uh, was a little bit more I'd say uh, like spanning genres henceforth the name Undefined there was some funky stuff on there a little bit of tongue in cheek blues and tongue in cheek country and uh, that, but again Instrumental Rock had a phenomenal lineup on there as well Virgil Donati on drums and Rick Fierobracci on bass for the main uh, musicians with me a couple different keyboard players uh, and and uh, horn players even on some stuff. So yeah, those those did really well in their own little niche in that guitar world. Um, and then the third album I put out was uh, an acoustic album called Thirteen Acoustic Songs. That was on my own, and that 
was a little bit more like not meant to showcase my guitar playing as much as it was just to uh, lay down these songs that I've been writing these little chord melody songs while hanging out at home so I laid them down and then arranged around them built them out by playing mandolin or doing little keyboard parts or whatever uh, so anyway that album is seems to be actually a fan favorite in many ways because the songs are very catchy and uh, that's a good like put it on in the morning and drink your coffee or yep. put it on when you're driving and you don't want to have road rage kind of <laughs> album it's uh, a little bit like I hate to use the, the words easy listening because that uh, makes people think of like Kenny G or something it's, it's not that but <laughs> yeah. it does have that kind of like mellow easy to listen to kind of vibe chills you out it works for me man I heard it it's badass Awesome. Cool. Thanks, bro. Uh, you worked with, uh, you worked and toured with Night Ranger. Uh, talk to us about that experience. Yeah, so that kind of came about through playing uh, with Jim Peterick and his world stage band. That's I grew up in the. Uh, suburbs of Chicago and Jim is from the band Survivor and also the band Ides of March so he wrote a gazillion hits and so he'd have these shows called World Stage right of all his friends come and sing their hits and I was in the house band every year and one guy that kept doing it every year was Kelly Kagi from Night Ranger the drummer so I'd play the hits with them and one year he came in and I learned they were going to need somebody and uh, I got my foot in the door got a basically my audition was a show <laughs> and that went really well and I had seven great years with those guys uh, awesome experience I they, I learned a lot wow what an honor man Night Ranger wow uh, also uh, I read you covered for Mick Jones during a tour with Night Ranger uh, did you know some of the foreigner songs or did you have to learn the songs from scratch yeah I think the reason that I came to mind was I while I was in Night Ranger, I was also playing in the Broadway show Rock of Ages, and there was a couple Foreigner songs in that show. Oh. And so Foreigner's manager, Phil Carson, had been down to the show uh, because he also managed Dee Snyder, and Dee was a part of the show for a bit. So anyway, Phil was down, and, and we'd met, and he'd seen me uh, play in Rock of Ages, and then we all end up out on tour together, Night Ranger, Foreigner, Journey. And Mick went down basically with an illness, and I kind of was asked on very, very short notice, about a day's notice, to uh, to hop in, and I filled in for Mick for a bit on that tour. Uh, amazing experience, total honor to fill in for a, a legend like Mick Jones. So wow. awesome experience. Wow, what an honor again! Wow, there is an instructional DVD. I saw it, uh, Guitar World, titled uh, "Hard Rock Lead Guitar Masterclass with Joe Hoekstra and yourself." Uh, can you talk about how that came about? Yeah, Guitar World, uh, they have their offices here in New York City where I live and uh, was lucky enough to go down and I think the first time I went down was to do a lesson with Night Ranger. So Brad Gillis and I did a, did a lesson in there in their studios. And then they said, hey, you should come back and do this thing called Lick of the Week. And they were trying to put out, a, maybe it was Lick of the Day, I forget. But they needed people to tape a bunch of licks. And I think I taped like 10 of them or something. And they said, oh, that went really well. And then years later, I think I checked in and they said, hey, we're doing lessons and you can be a columnist. And so I went in and taped some lessons and uh, I was honored to have a, basically a monthly column in there really for I don't know how many different stints I've been on with that now but uh, I think this is probably my third stint uh, 
So I, I've probably taped about 25, 30 lessons for those guys, I think. And I think that's just the DVD is excerpts of that. But uh, I love all the guys at Guitar World. It's great exposure for me. I think that one of the videos that I did, one of the lessons has 600,000 views or something to that effect. Wow. I mean, quite a bit. So nice. They, nice. They, they get it out there into the world. And so it's great for me. And they enjoy having somebody from the bands come and actually teach and I, I enjoy teaching. I used to do it for years, dude. Before my career took off, I used to teach 70 students a week. So, really? Uh, no, no issue doing that at all. Really? She so used to be a teacher? Wow. Yeah, man. I, I used to do a whole lot of that. I was teaching private lessons and, to, and then kind of supplementing that money with gigs when I was in my 20s. And then really from in my 30s is when I started to just only play gigs and not teach lessons too but yeah it really paid the bills for a long time and uh can't can't uh, say anything bad about something that helped me get to where i'm at now right of course of course i did some teaching too a little bit uh i play guitar your local bands you know um how is it working with Cher? huge huge star of course uh yeah i mean Cher was uh, great and we were kind of going our own ways this year because i had so much on the books with white snake and then of course the whole world decided to come to an end but uh great i had a great experience uh, playing in that camp i went in there just to fill in for a minute and it ended up turning into a few years and so great opportunity to work with a lot of great musicians uh, a lot of really really fun people uh, loved the whole camp. All the the dancers are really great people too. May, had a lot of uh, good times with them, and uh, and shares a, a tough pro. She's been around for a long time, and and for a reason. She's she just uh, is very no nonsense about everything. Very professional. Uh, awesome, awesome lady. Uh, speaking of stars and uh, great musicians, um, if I would have been on stage with uh, David Coverdale. Tommy Aldridge, Red Beach, I would have got nervous and melted, man. So uh, my question is, uh, uh, yeah, how did you feel uh, when you first got on stage with those legends? You know, uh, just Tommy Aldridge, you know, uh, you know, Red Beach, Mr. Coverdale, of course. Man. Were you nervous? Yeah, or? A lot of excitement. Uh I, I, I'm always nervous for <laughs> to, yeah. to play gigs. So, yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, Always nervous, but not because of those. It was those guys per se. But uh, it was a great feeling to join White Snake, and it obviously White Snake. You got the people you're talking about, so the it's the opportunity to work with them, but also to play that catalog of music, which is amazing. White Snake's got an amazing catalog, Absolutely. and to be able to play guitar in that band, which has had so many great guitar players in it, and be a small part of that history i think that there's uh, there there's a little bit of cachet that goes along with being a guitar player in white snake and, and and it hasn't disappointed david has really been fantastic to me i uh, really really enjoyed working with him to date i hope there's more to come and i guess we'll, we'll find out when the world uh, gets back to normal now david coverdale uh did mention in a uh interview uh possibly retiring in 2021 is this true or is this the end of white snake or you think uh she was just uh talking 
Yeah, I really don't know. I think he, he was, I think in that particular interview, he was kind of joking around saying that 69 would be the perfect age to retire for a white snake singer, uh, kind of tongue in cheek. And then, yeah. uh, and then maybe, uh, I don't know, tiptoed into taking it more serious, but who knows? That's all up to David. And, uh, regardless of what he wants to do, uh, he'll always have my support. I could never, ever um, second guess David. He's had such an illustrious career, and, and I'm just lucky to be a small part of it and to have him for a friend and a colleague at this point. So uh, whatever he would choose to do, I'd be totally cool with and uh, just keep doing what I do, which is be positive and work hard and keep moving forward. But obviously, the longer I can be in White Sink, the better. I'd, I'd hope that we'd be able to play more, but we'll find out. Well, us fans, uh, we hope the same, of course. Uh, David doesn't sound, he sounds great for 69, 70. I mean, I've seen the videos and he sounds perfect. He sounds great. I don't think he should retire, but I mean, you know, we never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, as you said, that's totally his decision. So I'll, I'll put that in the, <laughs> into, the, into the universe and see what comes back. Man, we didn't speak uh, about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, huh? We, we didn't touch that subject. How, how is it working for those guys? Oh, awesome. I mean, that's something I've, I've been around 10 years now. It's amazing. I feel like I was just the guy that got hired, and, and here we are all these years later. So uh, fantastic, amazing band slash production to be a part of. Uh, I love all the guys. I love all the fans. We get to know all of them because you have open signing lines. So even though you're playing for thousands of people, it's just it's the way I spend my holidays every November, December. It's I wouldn't know what to do without it. So uh, it's awesome. Is there a message you you would like to send your fans, uh, the people listening to this podcast? Uh, anything you want to say to them? Uh, just thanks so much. Anybody who's streamed a song or bought a, a CD or come to a concert and, or just even wrote me some words of encouragement, thank you so much. It's been awesome to get to live my dream this this far in life. So, uh, like I said, with Weissank, same with this. I hope there's much more, but all I can do is, is say thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, live my dream. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for making time to talk to us, and uh, best of luck, man. Keep rocking. Sweet. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate your time. One for the books, in my case, and in everybody's case, if you're a rock musician and if you're a White Snake, Night Ranger, TSO, Echo Bats fanatic, uh, this guy is a talent of talents, and you guys can check him out on YouTube. You can catch him on his uh, social media outlets. Mr. Joel Hoekstra, thank you, sir, for spending time with our podcast, That Middle Interview. And for all the fanatics, uh, don't forget to tune in to jrocksmetalzone.com, 24-7 rock metal. Music for everybody, old rock, new rock, old metal, new metal. And don't forget to keep it metal. That middle interview.